Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, Yordana Osband. Our daf of the day, Masechet Megillah, daf Yud Aleph, page 11. So the Gemara does continue with its, let's call it an exegetical approach to the Megillah. You'll recall it began with the very first words, right? So we've established, we know what Vahi means, we know what Vahi Bimei means, and now we're going to talk about Achashverosh, and then it's where even, then the Gemara even continues here to say, who Achashverosh, right? Meaning, very careful probing of the meaning of each word. So, Achashverosh, Amarav, Achiv Shalrosh, meaning what the Gemara is going to do here is take the word itself, the name itself, which is clearly um, an unfamiliar word for those who are not, you know, familiar with, I guess, Persian or or Middle Persian or whatever it is, right? Meaning, here's a name that is not found the rest of Tanakh. And so Chazal come upon this puzzling construction, and they're going to break it down into words that they already know. Achiv Shalrosh, the brother of the head. Uven Gilo Shalrosh, and or alternatively, says Ben Gilo from Shalrosh, the, the brother of the head. Achiv, and now it goes on to say, who might that be, the brother of the head? Achiv shel nevuchadnetzer harasha shenikra rosh. So now the Gemara is making not just um, a textual or a wordplay kind of kind of analysis, but he said, but it says specifically, the brother of the head means the brother of nevuchadnetzer who is wicked, and he is called the head because and there's a pasuk, there's a verse in the book of Daniel, chapter two, unto Reisha di dahava. That he had, you are a head of gold. So what does it mean? You are a head of gold. Resha, that's the rosh, that's head, right? Ben, that's so. Then that's a, a reference to Nevuchadnezzar. So now we've got a connection between Achashverosh and Nevuchadnezzar. Let's keep in mind that Nevuchadnezzar is invariably considered by the Jewish tradition to have been a terribly wicked king. I Meaning he did terrible things, including exile. You know the Jewish people destroy the first temple, etc. Right, so that everybody then ends up in Babylonia. Now, again, I, I'm not. This is not a a history lesson, and the Gemara is not presenting a history book in that in that kind of. I, I don't even know to what extent the Gemara's historicity of this of that particular narration is going to be relevant, right? But that's how he's treated. So the moment the Gemara connects Achashverosh with this very, very wicked king, meaning the king that the Gemara treats is very, very wicked, well, then we have, um, you know, what do we call it? Wicked by association for Achashverosh, meaning that's the implication, that if he's the brother of this Nebuchadnezzar, or if he's the figurative brother of Nebuchadnezzar, then he's going to be very wicked himself. Ben Gilosh Rosh, who harag, who bikesh harog, Meaning, how do we know that he was in fact so bad? Well, we know that he killed Jews and he looked out, you know, he tried to kill them and he destroyed the Beit HaMikdash and he tried to destroy the foundations of the Beit HaMikdash. Uh, meaning, and then we have we have verses in, now we're jumping to the book of Ezra, meaning these are the latter day books of the Tanakh in, the, in Ketuvim, which have history there and that kind of recount at least ostensibly, they recount what happened as it happened, or or not too terribly long thereafter. Meaning, it was at the time of the reign of Achashverosh, in the beginning of his reign, and they wrote to him with an accusation against those who were living in Yehuda and Yerushalayim. Meaning, this is all about, that, that, that line then is really about later, 
when they come to rebuild the temple. But the point is that this is, it's still considered, you know, in the time of Achashverosh and who has just been affiliated with Nebuchadnezzar. The Gemara goes on. So he takes, Shmuel takes the word Achashverosh and says that it should be understood like the word Shachor, meaning Achashverosh. He's switching the letters, right? Chash to Shach to Shachor. Um, and that means black. So what does he mean black here? That the the face of the Jewish people was blackened in his days, like the bottom of a pot, meaning that this was considered a, a, a real bringing down into the depths of of the garbage heap or the stove heap, right? Whatever. Rabbi Yochan Amar Kol Amar so Rabbi Yochanan has a different way of understanding. He says everybody who would think of Achashverosh would say Achlerosho, meaning I, what a what a um, woe on his head, meaning a, a way of not quite cursing him, but kind of you know erasing him from the conversation. Rabbi Chanino Amar Shakol Naseh Rashin Biamav Kol Naseh Nasu Rashin Biamav Shemar VaYasem Amelch Achashverosh Mas. So Rabbi Chanino says no, it goes. It refers to the fact that during Cheshverosh's days, rash, everybody became rash. Rash means not rosh, like head, but rash meaning poor. And because he, at the end of the Megillah, after all that whole long story, he imposes a tax on everybody. And then that kind of becomes a defining moment for the people who, who live through it. Fine. All of this, I think what is clear is that the Gemara wants to make us certain that Cheshverosh is not a good guy. Um, and... And that it gets that from, you know, some deep, deep digging into the very words or the very name of Achashverosh. I'm jumping a whole lot uh, towards the bottom of Amadalaf, where we have, you know, as I said, it, the Gemara continues and it, it spoke about who. It goes on to talk about Sheva Vesrim Umea Medina, right? Achashverosh ruled over uh, 127 provinces. This is from, we're still in the first verse. We're not going to go through the entire Megillah in Masachet, in Masachet Megillah. We're not going to go through the entire Megillah to Esther through going through the Megillah, the Gemara Megillah. It's a little bit tongue twistery. We've got two Megillahs here. But what happens is they're still, they're, they do darshan, these verses, for several dapim. Amr of Chista, Bitchila Malach al Sheva. So we have 127. The number 127 perhaps is familiar to people from the age of Sarah, that she died at the age of 127. And the way that treat that 127 is to break it down as well and to say at seven, she was like she was at 20. At 20, she was like she was at seven. At 100. So here too, this verse is broken down to say that first Achashverosh ruled over seven provinces, and then he ruled over another twenty, and then finally he had another hundred over there. Elameata, and then, but then the Gemara wants to know, but if that's the case, when we talk about the years of Amram, Amram, who's the father of Moshe Rabbeinu, the father of Moses, where again the spelling, the 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 number of the years of his actual age is spelled out seven and 30 and a hundred. So should we then infer that from that the way I've just said that we could do it for, for, 
Sarah, could we do that also for Amram? The Gemara doesn't bring in Sarah. I've just brought in because of number 127. My the Gemara wants to know, what would you learn? Shani Hacha, the Gemara says that's different. Because this part of the verse in, in Megillat Esther is entirely extra. Once we've got a statement that says from Hudu Ad Mehodu Ad Kush, which is from India until Ethiopia, meaning that's the scope of his realm. So you can go count the provinces and you'll come to 127. You don't have to say it outright. Then why do you have to say Sheva Medina? Lamali, why is that even in the verse? Once it's in the verse, so that's why they come to explicate it that much more carefully. And so the, the Gemara concludes here, Shmamina Ladresha. So the fact that we have this 127, meaning it's written seven and twenty and a hundred provinces here, is specifically put there, you know, it's in the Megillah for the sake of 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 explicating the text to make it clear to us, the readers, right, of the Megillah, that Achashverosh didn't begin his reign over all of them at the same time, meaning his his kingdom grew over time. It's not that he became, he was an all-powerful emperor from, not all-powerful, from the very beginning. So I, I think that part of what Chazal do, right, in providing this commentary on these very first, these very first verses of the Torah, of the Torah, Ah, of the Megillah, so I apologize, right? What what Chazal do is they give us their own take, their own read on the Megillah and on Achshverosh and what kind of leadership, you know, that's that's part of what's happening here is what kind of leadership is coming from him in an era where then he's going to decree against the Jews and so on. So we understand this is how large the reign was, but but he himself came to it over time. We understand that he's got a connection to Nebuchadnezzar that's, that paints him blacker, meaning darker in terms of his of of his deeds, right? He's not such a good guy. The Megillah doesn't paint him as a good guy, but the Megillah doesn't paint him quite as bad as affiliating with Nebuchadnezzar will do for him. I think it's interesting, though, the way Chazal wants to make connections between bad people from generation to generation. Like, it needs to be linked Somehow, what new in other places between hatred of Jews is literally like that print. There's always sort of a link from you know from one to another. Um, yeah, I, I think that's you know the same way we see it with the good kings. We're going to see it with the bad kings. Uh, it's not it's not joyous here. I, I also let's keep in mind we talked about this back in Russia Hashanah when we were talking about Daryavish and Koresh, who you know are the subsequent generations of the family. That there is a certain amount of. Um, capturing the experience of the Jews in Babylonia in the way they present the kings of Persia, right? So I don't want to get into it again now. You know, you can go back and look, listen to the podcast on the beginning at Dapim of Rosh Hashanah, but um, it's relevant here. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go to the beginning of a very lengthy discussion that starts on um, and um, 
uh, sort of on the top and continues the whole rest of the top and even continues on to the next top. And this is also a very common theme that you will see in in the Mepharshim. How do we calculate the 70 years of the uh, exile? Like that we know that when B'nai Israel were exiled after the destruction of the first temple, it's very clear in Sefer Yirmiyahu that it was only supposed to be for 70 Basically, in a lot of Kerubim, uh, specifically in Ezra and Nehemiah, there becomes a whole question of how do you actually calculate out those 70 years, right? Like, when did it start the 70 and when does it end? And so the Gemara here is doing a very deep analysis of essentially the first three psukim of Lat Esther, right? So those th- first three psukim, um, basically, right, the first one, Vayhimi right? So that's set up who Achashverosh is. The second basuk of chapter one says, Right, when the king Achashverosh sat on his throne, and we know that this is a setup for a party that's going to be. Right, it says in the third year of his kingdom, and so it's not clear do the events that are taking place here are being described. Right, when you look at the first verse, right, says you know uh, the first verse, you know Kishavet, it seems to imply that the the feast maybe took place right at the beginning of his reign, right? But then in the second verse, which is really the third verse, and the second verse of the ones we're talking about here, it's the third year of his reign. So that's sort of one of the questions here. So the Gemara starts with saying, by Amimahim Kishavet Hamelach, right? What does it mean when Kishavet, like when he, right? So the Gemara wants to understand it to mean when he first sat, like at the beginning of his reign, but right afterwards it says in his third year, right? So does that mean to say that the events that are actually going to be described, you know, occurred a few a few years later in the third year? So the Gemara says, I'm a Rava, my Keshavet. Rava says, what's the meaning of the word Keshavet? After his mind was at ease. So it doesn't actually mean sit, meaning when his reign started. It's describing an emotional state of Achashverosh when his mind was at ease, right? And then after his mind was at ease, in the third year, basically, he was able to make this big feast. And why is this? Amar Belshar, right? So at the time, Ahasuerus, this is what he's thinking, Belshazzar, okay, who was a, who was basically the last Babylonian king, and he's overthrown by, by Darius. Uh, and again, you can find a lot of this is like in Daniel also, there's a lot of this. Um, and, but again, part of the problem is, is that some of the chronology and names of the kings that are presented in Ezra Nehemiah, in Daniel and Ezra Nehemiah do not necessarily line up with, let's say, secular sources of who the kings actually are. Um, but let's say for our sake, sort of the Jewish chronology is, you have Nebuchadnezzar, then you have um, uh, Evo Medorach, right? That's literally Evo Medorach. That's his name. It's not evil, like he's evil. Then you have Belshazzar. Then you have Darius the Mede. Then you have Cyrus. Then you have Achashverosh. Then you have Darius the Persian. So it's sort of this group of seven kings, basically, right? Um, and there's a lot of questions of when did they actually rule? 
and how long did they did they rule um did they rule for those first three kings are babylonian kings and the last four are sort of the persian median uh empire so what Ahasuerus is saying her belshazzar who was the first king who was this you know this last king of babel right he calculated these 70 years but he basically made a mistake right he right but i calculated the 70 years and i didn't actually make a mistake um and so then the gemara wants to go through what exactly how did he actually make a mistake now again this gets into you have to know safer daniel fairly well um and look in paraktet of safer daniel right so it says my he what was it that how did he make a mistake Right, so this is the famous pasuk from Yirmiyahu, chapter twenty-nine, verse ten, which says, right, that when seventy years are completed, I'll remember you. Right, that Hashem's only going to make the um, exile for seventy years. And it also says, right, to com- in Daniel chapter nine, verse two, right, it says to complete the seventy years from the ruins of Jerusalem. So, in other words, what Belshazzar understood is that for the the, that the 70 years for uh, for for Babel, which was mentioned in that in that first verse in Yirmiyahu, right, started when Nebuchadnezzar comes to the throne. So that's how he started counting those 70 years. So he calculates 45 years of Nebuchadnezzar, 23 years of Evel Medorach, and two years of his own reign. And then you get to Hashibim. That is Shibim years. And since then, the Jews were still basically ruled by Babel. He basically felt Belshazzar that Yirmiyahu's prophecy was, was no longer exist, existed. And so what does he do? He takes out, he makes this big banquet. Um, and again, look in um, uh, chapter, it's a parakeh of Daniel. He makes a big banquet um, sort of uh, as, uh, uh, you know, to mark this. And he used some of the temple vessels, basically. OK. Um, and then, you know, the Gemara, you know, so then the Gemara wants to know, how do we know that Nebuchadnezzar actually ruled for 45 years? And it's going to give a whole proof about that. And then so we're going to skip a little bit there. And then it goes to to go back to Belshazzar, the Isaronu Tlat of Medorah Gamra. Right. And then we talk about the 23 years of evil Medorach. That's basically just known from tradition. And his two years is 70. Right. And that was the beginning of his third year. Right. So he says, now certainly the Jews are not going to be redeemed. Right. He brings out uh, all sacred, you know, temple vessels. And again, look in, in Daniel chapter uh, Parakei. Right, honey to Kamerle Daniel, Valmare Shmaya Kit, Romanta Ulamanaya di Veta, Haitiv Kad. And so there, Daniel says to Belshazzar, and again, it's in Aramaic, so it's difficult to understand. Above the master of heaven, you have exalted yourself, and the vessels of his house they have brought before you. Um, and so this is specifically Perke of Daniel, uh, verse 23. Right, Ukatib Bebelele Katil Belshazzar Malka. And then it says that very night Belshazzar the king was slain. So, and that's the first Pasuk of chapter six 
of uh, of Perak Vav of Daniel, right? And then it says Ukativ Daryavish Mada Kabel Machuta Kabar Shnin Shtin Vitartin. And then it says Darius the Mead gets the kingship at the age at the age of sixty two years. So all of these are very confusing because you have to really understand. It's so intertextual. Like to understand these two psukim of Megillah of Megillah Esther, you really have to understand a lot of what happens in Daniel. And I'm so struck by like most of these psukim, man, when we read them from the Megillah, it's not just that we read them. I can hear it being laned in shul, right? Like you hear the tune to it. But Daniel is not a well-known safer. And so therefore, you know, if anybody has sort of some extra time, um, I would encourage you to learn some of Safer Daniel because it actually is very connected to Megillat Esther. Um, and, um, you know, these are some of the things that we that we have to know about. So then the Gemara, you know, is going to go now, uh, then the Gemara is going to present the actual calculation of Achashverosh, right? Um, and then so, right, Amar Ihi meet, uh, Mitad. So Belshazzar, you know, made a mistake. And we see that from Saber Daniel, because once he uses the temple vessels, he's killed that night and he's no longer king. But I'm going to calculate and not make Babel, right? So then he quotes back his Pasuk in Yermiyahu for the kingdom of Babel. So he says it's written for Babel. My Libabel. So what does he say? My what is for Babel? Ligalud Babel to the exile of Babel. So in other words, he's going to calculate it from the exile of Yehoiachin, which actually occurred in the eighth year of Nebuchadnezzar. And so that's where he's going to get to the 70 years. Kama Abitseran, right? So how many years do we basically take off from Belshazzar's calculation? Tommy, we we take off eight years. Chashiv Hilufahu, right? So he calculates Achatrish and he inserts the other years instead of these eight years. Chaza de Belshazzar, right? So you have one remaining year of Belshazzar's uh, reign, right? The Chamesh de Daryavesh Bakarish, and five years of Dar. So you have, in other words, the third year of Belshazzar's reign, five years of Daryavesh and of and of Koresh, and two years of Achashverosh's, which now gets you to the third year that that third pasuk of Parakalif of Megillat Esther uh, talks about. So it's 70 years from basically the exile of Yehoiachin, right? And so then basically, right, and so the same thing. Once Achashverosh sees that 70 years are completed and the Jews aren't redeemed, Amar right? So he says now they're never going to be redeemed. And so he says, okay, I'm going to bring out the vessels. And he makes that, you know, big banquet that's described in Parak Aleph. And so therefore, what was the punishment? The Satan comes and danced among them and Vashti gets killed, right? Then the Gemara is going to ask, but wait, it actually looks like Ahad has calculated this correctly. And so then the Gemara answers, right? Right, by cal- you know, basically, Achashverosh also made a mistake. He should have actually counted it from the 70 years from the destruction of Yerushalayim, right? Not actually um, from, uh, from when Yehoiachin uh, did it. And so then the Gemara 
is uh, then goes on to say, okay, so then how many more years do you have to account for? And it's 11 more years. Um, and, you know, they're going to bring the Sukim to basically show that. And then this is going to go on, on to the next page. So, you know, it's kind of a mind head spinning uh, piece of Gemara. But I really think it shows you like how interconnected all of these texts actually are, right? Anything from Megillah Esther all the way to uh, Yermiyahu, all the way to Daniel. And I think this is one of the nice passages where we see Chazal sort of treat all of Tanakh as sort of one uniform book um, and not sort of a separate uh, sparim within, within Tanakh itself. I think also that we have, I would say, different ways of rendering the same kind of information, right? Meaning the Megillah itself, in some ways, is a little bit, the, certainly the way it opens, not the way it closes, but the way it opens is a little bit of a, a fairy tale, not literally a fairy tale, but a, a narration of, you know, once upon a time, in the days of Achashverosh, this is what happened, right? And it's told in this kind of grand way with such ornate descriptions and everything, right? And and it's very picturesque and dramatic. And then we end up with, you know, the Gemara's explication of those same words, and it can spend a daf going through a couple of words, and it's removed. I feel like it's total, not totally, but still removing it from that narrative context and removing it from the historical context to make other kinds of points. You know, if we're going to say that Achashverosh is connected to Nebuchadnezzar, it's it's not as direct of a connection as the verses that you know that that are that the verse Rosh is is brought to make it seem right, and then we've got the historical background, or or at least the Gemara's way of presenting historical background as you've presented it with all these verses from these parallel texts, and that does give much more of a I don't know contextual historical something kind of feel, and and again it's like again, far removed from the text of the Megillah, which is still got that kind of fanciful, you know, ornate, dramatic narration. I feel like there's, obviously there's place for all of these, but I think that the interplay between all three on this one daf has been really interesting to watch unfold. Well, that's our daf discussion for the day. Rank us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Revenant Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hydra website. Let us know what you thought about the stop on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.